Um, we're going to look at this passage and, um, you know, essentially, you know, the, the, the title is Jesus' Last Words from Death Row, and this is the What Does Jesus Have to Say About Belief? And um, the word belief um, is most commonly known as, as kind of a, you know, another way to say have faith in, okay? And the word faith and have faith in is a pretty common Christian word that we use a lot. Um, actually, most churches have faith in their name somewhere, you know, um, and there's and they're, they're great churches. And it, it, it really has a lot to do with belief um, or have a lot to do with the, the what we are as believers is we need to. I mean, I just use the word believers. I mean, we, we are faith. Herbs. We are people who have faith. My son asked me a question today as we were driving here. It was a pretty intense question about, you know, Satan falling and, you know, you know, those fun questions that, that <laughs> teenagers like to ask. And I, it's very difficult questions to, to answer. And, and, you know, as we were going through it, I was just literally saying, hey, first off, before I give you an answer, this answer is not going to satisfy anything if you don't have faith in Jesus. Because you have to have faith in the Bible and what God wanted to say. And it's actually this whole scripture is about not only belief in that, belief in the Trinity, belief in the Father, belief in the Spirit. We talked about last week the importance of believing in the Spirit as being God just as much as Jesus is, right? And so I can't answer some of these questions where there's 10 scriptures, 10 verses probably, or maybe 20 verses in the whole Bible where it talks about Satan falling, you know, and the understanding. I can't give you an answer for that outside, uh, better than I can say, uh, I can prove Jesus over and over and over and over and over and over in the scriptures. So if you don't believe in Jesus, this other question is not going to satisfy. And why I said that is because lately there's been so many people I've talked to that are non-believers where, or, or people who have walked away from the faith where their arguments have been these little things where we have five verses or 10 verses. And, and, and I'm kind of like, well, that's fine. We can argue about this. This is a bit of a tangent. I'm trying not to be on a tangent a little bit, but this is something that happened this morning. Five verses or 10 verses where I can only, you know, I can argue something, but I can argue Jesus the whole Bible, the whole Bible is pointing to Jesus the whole time. And that's why I want to focus on that. And so that's why belief matters so much. It informs the understanding um, of so many other theological things. If we believe in Jesus, if we believe in the Father, we believe in the Spirit, then it's far easier to believe a bunch of these other things that we end up learning. So belief is a big deal. Let's look at three definitions of belief. One, like I said, is have faith in or faith. I actually like this because it's actually trust or and have confidence in. Okay? And I like that because when we were singing today, we were saying, I want to see a victory or I'm going to see a victory. The, the idea of that comes from a confidence that only belief can give you. I believe in God so much. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the working of the Spirit in my life so much that I can have a confidence in what I pray. 
You can't pray without that confidence. I mean, you can, and God listens. It doesn't mean that it's void of, of, of his presence when you pray. But if you don't believe in what he's going to do, um, it's there is this sense of, of almost, I, there's a lot of scriptures where it talks about, you know, almost that you're proving that you believe. You know, James is about a lot of that, is proving that you believe. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, maybe too. Um, and we're going to get into proving a little bit too, which is interesting because, um, yeah, anyway, so that's one, have faith in, trust, and have confidence in. That's what I love. I love that. So now second one is to entrust, which is different than to trust because it actually means to give your life to. So belief, when Jesus is saying, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, he's saying, give your life to God. Entrust in me your most precious things, which is your life and then your kids and your marriage and your, you can fill in the blank, right? Um, another way to look at it, um, give your life to a belief, uh, the way you get, live your life. So not just give your life, but the way you live your life. And then another way you can look at it is the convictions that you live by. Okay, so that is what entrust would mean. But I really do like the give your life to. Okay, third way that we can, um, you know, define belief is going to be, and this is interesting because in the Greek, this is one of the main uh, ones, is to credit. What does that mean? What is to, to credit? And that's actually proven is another way to look at that word. Um, like if you were to say, um, I give credit to God, it's because he's proven to deserve that credit, right? And so it's not my proving that the belief, but it's the fact that he has proven over and over and over through many different ways to deserve the belief that we have in him. I wrote down two things on that. Uh, we can look at the, the before Jesus came, uh, the evidence well, actually, not before Jesus came. Actually, yeah, we will look at before Jesus came, too. Before Jesus came, the Bible says, I didn't write this down, but the Bible says that we can see the rocks and the trees and, and all of that worship him. Okay, so there is a there's even a case and an argument, really, that there are places in the world that will never hear about Jesus. And there's a chance that there will be people that will never hear about Jesus. And they still are rejected, unfortunately, when they go to, to go to heaven. The reason why is because there is proof of God in all things. And that is a very scriptural thing. I didn't write that down. I wish I would have had a, a good reference for that. But then the, we're going to look at, what is it? Romans 1. Romans 1. Love it. Read it on your own. Perfect. Okay, then, and then there's going to be uh, when Jesus was here, the evidence in the life of Jesus, which is where we're going to go with this scripture, the evidence in the life of Jesus, the way that he lived, the things that he did are proof enough. And it's interesting because later on, as we look at it, he's going to say, you know, they're going to ask, you know, about the father and he's going to say, can I see the father? And he says, have you not seen this whole time that? The Father is in me and I am in the Father. Why is that? Uh, and then it says, I think after that, which we will read, but it's talking about how, but at least believe because of the things that I've done, 
right? It's like a secondary thing, which we will look into that. But what's interesting is that Jesus' life is, is um, another way that we can prove. And here's the deal. Many religions right now, and there's a lot of religions out there that do this, admit that Jesus' teachings were good, they were peaceful, they were counterculture in the good ways, and they were game-changing. Okay, And I could go down a huge list of different religions that believe this. Some of them even say they believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they are getting a lot of other things wrong. But at least there is a lot of proof that Jesus not only was alive, but that Jesus, the things that he did, proved that he was God. Uh, and then I wrote another thing. Now we can look at this and the changes in the believer are the things that prove to the community that you're in, to the family you're in, all that stuff. So when we are asking people to believe in Jesus, they might not see the signs and wonders. They might not see a lot of these, you know, um, you know, yeah, the signs and wonders, him, him walking on water or whatever it is. But what he, they do see is they see a lost person that was once lost, but now is found. And when they're found, their heart changes, their life changes, the things in their life are, are um, reconfigured into a focus on a godly way of life. And that is basic discipleship. So let's look at the scriptures. It says, let not your hearts be troubled to believe in God, believe also in me. So have confidence in trust yourself, give your life to, and then again, um, realize that God has proven over and over that he deserves that belief in him. Uh, the troubled heart is void of belief in God. This is kind of an intense way to look at it. Let not your hearts be troubled. It doesn't say but, but I like to use that word for a second. But believe in God, believe also in me. So he's saying believe in God as the triune, but then also believe in me as being one that's here on earth with you right now. Um, and I, I also think that the spirit in our current days is actually not a replacement of Jesus, but our understanding of believe in what the spirit is doing in our midst as well. And if we do that, then the troubled heart can be um, untroubled. Another thing is the one it, it, he's really focusing a lot. I love how he, you did a great teaching on the Trinity last week. One of the Trinity, the belief in all of the Trinity is what brings hope. It can't just be the belief in Jesus. There are religions that believe only in Jesus. And they don't believe in the other things which we talked about last week as well. And it's the same thing. You can't just believe in love. We, we talk about that all the time. Love is good. And love, you know, the, the, you know we are, um, as humans, we desire love. We desire acceptance. We desire all these different things. But just love in itself or just Jesus in itself is not, it's hard to say that it's not good enough, but it's, it's, we have to believe in all of it. We have to believe, and Jesus is trying to make a point, this whole scripture, that Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are all one. So to believe in Jesus fully is to believe in the other two as well. It's important. The Son's fulfillment uh, so, yeah, actually, I looked. At, I read. I wrote it this way. The belief in all of the Trinity is what brings hope. Practically, the Father's will, which was plans. He had plans for Jesus to come and do this. 
the son, Jesus, he had a fulfillment of the plans, which is the life, death, and the resurrection. And then it's going to be the spirit's continuation through the church. And then that defines what is actually truly hopeful. So believe in God, believe also in me. There's a lot to say in that little section. Um, David Guzik is a really great pastor. and He did a great message, and I, I wrote this down. I stole it from him. It says, not promised an untroubled life, but the ability to have an untroubled heart in the midst of a troubled life. Good. And that's what's happening when you realize this belief in you. you there's a change that happens where, yes, uh, I could name lots of troubles that I've lived, and yet my heart most of the time has been really focused on Jesus, and it's been great. And it's been totally fine, and uh, um, yeah. We're going to sing a song that's really powerful today. That's literally what I just said. Okay, let's look at the next thing. Uh, John 14, 2 through 4. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be, or you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Belief brings confidence, as I said. What is it confidence in, though? It's in the eternal. So this is what some of this stuff is saying. We believe in the eternal, that we are not just um, earthlings. That sounds really funny. Uh, but that we actually have a destiny to be in e eternal uh, bliss and wonderment with God for all eternity. It's amazing. Um, there is a heaven. This life is temporary. Number two, another thing that this brings confidence in that this section says is that there is a home. The Father's house is our home. We are welcome and we belong. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever felt like you just don't belong here? Have you ever had that feeling where you don't belong? Um, there, there are there's lots of scenarios where I'm in a place and I just go, I don't, I don't belong here. I, I like to be around um, people who don't know Jesus, but I do find myself um, having this, this experience of, wow, like, I don't know. Okay, I lived one life at one point in life and then I lived another life and I go back to try to be around those same people and it just is different. I don't belong there. And it doesn't mean that I don't belong with them necessarily, but there is a lifestyle and a life that I lived that I don't belong. And that's because I became a citizen of heaven. I became a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that means I have a home. And that home is here. That home is not over here. Whatever that looks like for you, I think that looks differently for everyone. So I can't really give a good example. But we, we are welcome and we belong. There is, and this is another thing when we think about troubles, there is an end to the trouble. There is an end to that troubled wandering of not feeling like you have a home one day. We've moved around a lot, and it feels very much like we're wandering around sometimes. And when you look at scriptures and the, and the, and the disciples are wandering around Israel and all that, they never felt like they lived in a home. They never felt like they 
belonged anywhere, and yet the whole time they were belonging with the one that they will belong to for all eternity, right? So it's a cool thing. Um, number three, confidence uh, in mission. There is plenty of room for you, me, and all of the lost that we are called to reach. If we just look at this, this it says, at that time there were only a few followers. And so for him to say that there is a, a, a place that I'm preparing for you that has many rooms, why would they say many rooms? Many of these people would live in only one room with their family or maybe two rooms at the very most. The fact that it's many rooms means that, the, that Jesus was trying to say, right now there's only 10 or there's 11 or there's 12 or there's 140, but there are many rooms, which means there's no limit to how many rooms that he is willing to prepare for his people. He wants his people. So that's encouraging because um, we're supposed to help populate that. That's part of what we're doing as missionaries is we are going and sharing the gospel and that populates that, that, that place, right? Um, and we're supposed to be confident in that. And then the next thing is in the scripture, it says we are loved, we are desired. Um, I just love knowing that I'm desired by God. And uh, to prepare a place is connected to the engagement process in the Jewish culture. Yeah. And so to real the reality is, is when he goes, he's actually preparing a place for his engagement, for his wife, for his bride. Yep. And that is like, it's, it's hard work and it's, you know, it's just amazing to know that Jesus loves us so much that he desires us like he desires a bride. And it's amazing to me. Okay, let's look at the next thing. Uh, 14, uh, 5 through 7, it says this. Tom's, or Thomas, I almost called him Tommy. Uh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and, or no, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Um, I referenced this just a little bit ago. Um, so there's a couple cool things that I like about this. Um, the destination is actually second to the journey. He. Yes, heaven's great. It's awesome. I think we should know about heaven as much as we can know. But Jesus is the, is the journey. Jesus, what Jesus is doing in our life and our, our uh, belief in him and our uh, desire to follow him to the place that he wants to take us is actually really, really important. I, I, I even feel like he downplays a little bit the place he's going because he's saying, you already know the way, like this is the way, this is the thing, this is the most important thing. And so, and that's why the, the original church was actually called the way, because they were following, the, they, they were on a journey together with Jesus. And that was, um, what's cool about that is that actually, the, um, Without focusing on and knowing the destination, which we do know the destination, we understand heaven to what the, the amount that we understand. But it can almost be tempting to take your own way. It's in, in, 
we are all guilty of wanting to take the shortcut. Uh, my wife actually says I take the long cut pretty regularly <laughs> because I like to take side roads and it takes me forever. But I always think I've got another way. And if you think of every single religion that has ever popped up that has something to do with Jesus, they always create new rules and new laws and new things because they're like, oh, they, man, I don't know what's actually going through their mind, but they they are creating another way. I mean, and that's that's that isn't. Jesus' way. And so, um, and then of course, it's always, if you look at a lot of these other religions, heaven is always this, this place with a bunch of virgins and wonderful things. And, and like, it's, it's enticing. They actually have a really good understanding of what their heaven looks like. And it's, a, and it's in reference to a bunch of human things that we really desire. But actually the reality is, is I feel like he gives us very little for us to desire because it's Jesus we need to desire. Good. It's the person we are living and walking with that will do that. And I, I wrote down uh, the whole point of the destination is fulfilled in the closeness with the way with Jesus. Let's look at uh, John 14, 8 through 11. Uh, it says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. I just love how Jesus responds to this. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? I mean, this is a little attitude. If you ever wonder if Jesus had a toad, this was a toad for sure. Um, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, last week we did talk a lot about the Trinity, um, and so I'm not going to dive in as deep as he did because he did a great job. So... um, but this is another, under, you know, another scripture that we use to really try to understand the, the, the Trinity. These are the things I am going to say. We want belief to be easy. I'm just going to throw this out there. We want belief to be easy. Show me. Prove to me. Prove to me the way that I want to be proved. Actually, that's the more accurate thing. But just believing in, it's a weird way to say this, but just believing in Jesus is not enough, but believing in God is the whole Trinity, is true belief in the wholeness of Jesus. The Trinity is so important, and it's so crazy how um, for many years I would pray to God, and I would replace I would just say Jesus every single time. And more lately, I've been trying to be okay with saying, Spirit, I love you. Spirit, I need you in my life. Father, I need you. Like actually praying to the different persons. And it's not because I can't just say God, but I think for me, I needed to recognize who they are. I need to believe in all three of them. I have to allow the Father to replace my fathers here. 
the people that I look up to that I'm influenced by the most. I need Father uh, God to be my biggest influence. And so that's something that's just a practical thing that I'd love to see you guys do is to start praying to the different persons in different times. If I want the Spirit to come and, and heal, of course I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. I'll say in Jesus' name, I pray for this thing. But it is the works of the Spirit that will do it. And so it's okay to pray. Spirit, do this. And the more we can understand all three persons, the more we're going to understand and truly believe in Jesus. Because Jesus has these two other things that, that are things, persons that, that empower him to do what he did. Jesus empowers them to do what they've done. They are all working together. It's very, very important. The last piece of this scripture, it says, uh, believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. And guys, this is just, I already kind of said this, but... Um, there are whole, um, you know, different movements of Christianity that really focus a lot on signs and wonders. Now, I don't have any problem with signs and wonders in themselves. Um, but what's interesting is that if you do not see the signs and wonders, then you're not actually seeing God's work in somebody's life. And that is a, a, a wrong doctrine. And we need to realize that that it is God who, in his will, does these things when he wants to do it. But here, this actually is a great way to understand it. It's like, hey, believe in me that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you're not able to do that, believe in my works. Believe in the things that I've done. And so it's not the proof Necessarily of the cool things that you can do. I, I don't know if any of you guys watch Yo Gabba Gabba with your kids, but cool tricks, cool tricks, or whatever. That's like a thing anyway. It doesn't matter. It's probably dumb. But um, uh, it's, it's like, but I do feel like that. I feel like Christians sometimes like to flaunt their cool tricks. And as, and, and, and as people are getting to know me, they realize that I'm really desiring the spiritual gifts in my life. I want that. So I'm not afraid of those. Seek First is a night where we are going to press in and we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us through prophetic words. And, and, and we're not afraid if, 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 if tongues does happen and there's a you know, translation or whatever. Like we're, There are things that we want to happen, but I don't want to do it because they're cool tricks. I don't want to do it because um, because it, it, it is the only like it is what makes us spiritual people and makes us look really like we actually know what we're doing. You're not more mature because you speak in tongues. You're not more mature because you do this. You're not more mature. Um, that's not how it works. Like maturity comes in is actually not bypassing this, but actually before that is understanding that God, that Jesus is in the Father and the Father's in Jesus. Like there is this reality of understanding that goes beyond our ability, our spiritual ability. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't desire it. It does say that, First Corinthians, but we need to realize that we are, um, that that is, that is secondary to some degree. Um, and there's a lot there. 
but more, more, the most important thing is that Jesus is like, yes, I did all these things, and I hope that you believe in these things, but I want you to believe me because I've proven to you my love for you. There's more to it, right? Let's look at the last uh, couple of scriptures. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Simply, I just wrote, the proof of belief is when the student becomes like the teacher. This is a direct result of discipleship. The name Christian derives from little Christs. Like, this whole thing, whoever believes in me will also do the works. He's trying to help you understand that just as I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, I am in you, and you will go do these things too. And um, I love where it says, and greater works than these will he do, and greater works. That doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't capable of doing greater things, but it means that this was always the plan. The mission is always the plan. The people of God was plan A, always. I want you to go and tell the world about me, and I'm going to empower you to do those things, and you're going to do greater works because that is the plan, not because we can achieve better than him. We're supposed to become little Christ. We're supposed to, these evidences in life need to happen. Um, and then the last two verses, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, what's interesting is the rest of this, I feel like the scripture does a really good job of staying connected. This one feels separated. And the reason why it feels separated is because there's a lot of times in my life, uh, I'm guilty of this, where I will quote this scripture. And I will mean something different. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. I want to know that Jesus is going to do whatever I want him to do. Like, that sounds great, you know? But that's actually not what's going on here. It is connected to this whole section of doing the will of the Father. It's actually connected to um, belief. It's connected into the idea of us having true faith in him. And because of that, we become a representative of him. We become a little Christ, as it says. Uh, or as that word Christian means. And doing his work, living in his spirit, seeking to bring the Father glory, and then he will do whatever we ask because those things are on our hearts and on our minds. So it's we're asking things only that, the, that God wants at that moment. And I am too guilty of asking him to do things that I want him to do. I always start it with... Um, God, I know this is a selfish prayer, but, uh, and then I'll just pray that prayer, whatever, you know. Can you fix my car, please? You know. Anyway, so here's the deal. As we, as we close up, the most important thing is, is this idea of belief. I want to go back to those, those definitions one more time. To have faith and to have confidence. And I think that this whole scripture is really encouraging us to have confidence in God. If we want to see him answer these prayers, we need to have confidence that God is going to answer those prayers. That's a big deal, to actually have confidence that he will do that. I feel like we might actually miss 
his answer if we're not confident in which he will actually say the answer. Like, we'll miss it. Um, I like to fast and pray. I really do. It's, uh, well, nobody really likes to do it, but I, I've seen so much fruit from it that I do it out of obedience. And when I do, it quiets my heart, quiets my mind, and it allows me to rely on God. That's the idea of it. And I, I really do, I'm gonna say I really believe, that my belief becomes stronger in a fast and a prayer time. It, it, it becomes stronger, it becomes more mature because I am making a commitment with my whole body, with my whole mind, with my whole time, because now, like when you're eat, when you're supposed to be eating lunch with your coworkers or whatever, I'm now not eating with them, and I'm going off and praying. Like I am, I am my my reputation, my all those things are now taken away, uh, or not taken away, but but in in uh, full. Actually, everybody's seeing it. They're seeing what I'm doing, and when I do that, I'm saying, God, I'm all yours, and my belief becomes more confident and more. In trusting, I'm giving my life to you, and then uh, I'm saying, and I pray these things. God, I, you've proven to me that you're going to answer these things, so I'm going to keep on praying. Um, one of the things as we enter into communion, that's a big deal about belief. You have to believe. Like we all love to eat bread and you know drink wine or grape, grape juice or whatever. We love to do that, okay? Um, most churches, they use little wafers that are like these uh, styrofoam wafers, okay? And I'm like, I actually, I hate those, of course. They don't digest. I don't know what they are. But, <laughs> but those things, it's actually, for me, sometimes more powerful for me to do communion with those things because there's nothing enjoyable about this at all. And that little juice that's connected, you guys probably did those little things where, and that thing is like concentrated, gritty, nasty stuff, right? And like when, what's that? It spills every time. Yeah, and it spills all over you, whatever. But the point is like, it's way easier to, to have this big faith and belief that somehow Jesus is like gonna do something really powerful in my life because of this thing. <laughs> because because it just tastes horrible. But like belief is a big deal. My, my, my point is that, is if you're gonna partake today, which I hope you do, if you're gonna partake today, it takes a lot of belief that Jesus, that something is happening in this moment. That Jesus is coming and, and drawing close to us and saying, I wanna be with you. I wanna be with you, I want you to walk with me, I want you to in, like, be a part of this journey. And when you do that, and you say, somehow this bread and this cup is going to do that for me, you're saying that inanimate objects are powerful spiritual tools for God. Belief is a big deal. And so we need to, we need to really lean into our belief in God today as we partake. Don't let it just be something that you do as a religion, but actually say, God, I believe you're here with me. I don't understand how this works completely. There's a mystery behind it all, but you're doing something awesome, and I want you to you know, commune with me today. That's the idea of communion.